Yo, this is the ancient Texan uh, in my backyard in Elkton, Maryland. Just got bit by my first mosquito tonight. It's right at sunset again. I'm not sure what the title of this podcast is yet, but it's about... our form of capitalism and some problems with it. Um, It's about us being too good to do certain things as a country and being too... um, having a culture that we think some types of work and some types of... industry are not okay so I'll, I'll figure out a way to put a short title on that since that I don't have a lot of space to put it but I'll tell you a little bit about what happened to me uh, last week I'm getting in a job I'll be pushing 72 into this year I consider that an old dude um I can tell my brain's slowing down a little bit. I get tired. I forget things and forget people's names. And my spelling's worse than ever. But I still seem pretty coherent to myself. Oh, uh, and I think to most other people. Well, I flew up to Vancouver, Canada last week. To meet with two gentlemen, uh, both very successful, very rich people, that just the week before, those two people were in Washington talking to the Trump administration and to the military. They've identified 35 medals. Uh, that are critical to our economy. I mean, pick some easy things like rare earths. We need, you want a cell phone, you better have some rare earths. Want electric cars and a strong magnet, electromagnet, you better have some rare earths to make those magnets. Uh, guess who controls um, those rare earths Uh, you want some chrome what do you need chrome for you like stainless steel you like you know chemical plants to run paper mill plants Um, you want your drugs made in you know stainless steel tanks that are nice and clean not rusty we better have some chrome you want some chrome gotta deal with the Russians Want magnesium for your military or to make lightweight cars? Better be ready to deal with China. You want aluminum? Better be willing to deal with China. Want uh, more than the basic 
you know, stainless steel, nickel alloys and stuff. Better be willing to China. Maybe you can get some up from Canada. Etc. Anyway, that kind of gives you the idea. Well, we've we've been kind of obnoxious for a long damn time. In the mid-70s, Mitsubishi tried to put the most modern copper smelter in America. And they didn't just go anywhere to do this. They did their research, and they know that Texas is probably the most pro-business state in the U.S. In fact, if you look up the economy of, of Texas, it's below California, but not a whole lot. I mean, California is what would be the fifth biggest economy in the world or something, and Texas would be like the seventh or eighth if you took Texas and California away from the states. Uh, I'm not sure where the states would rank, but it would be a lot lower than it is right now. Those are two powerhouses, Texas and California, of course, in the other order. So Mitsubishi in the 70s went to Texas um, and there's a place called Texas City on the Gulf like the epitome of this is business country these are people that want to make money and most of America would say they want to make money doesn't matter what happens well they spent million dollars which would be millions of dollars now trying to get a permit to put the cleanest smelter in the world at the time in Texas. And the not-in-my-backyard forces came out against it, and they spent something like three years trying to do it, and they hired all sorts of consultants and did all sorts of lobbying, and they lost. We said, we're not going to have those dirty industries in uh, our country not even going to have them in Texas now a smelter in the U.S. at that time was still a pretty dirty place I mean, it was damn dirty uh, it's kind of stuff I grew up in I mean it was it was some of the places I went into would send chills up your spine that you'd have to go there you know like the dirty dark you know, basements and smelly stacks and piles of, you know, arsenic and lead. And I don't know. I mean, it, it didn't seem so bad to me at the time. Looking back, I'm thinking, wow. I lived, I used to work in places that, you know, people would love that was making movies right now. I'd like to go back there and capture what's in my mind. And there... They were dirty and they were dangerous. A lot of people died. But that was just my life. And I put respirators on and sometimes I didn't. And I sometimes I coughed and I got stuff out of my nose. Filthy stuff. Had my blood checked for lead more times than most people have, you know, had flu shots. Wow, a lot more than that. Um, a lot more than our kids have vaccines these days. But it was good, honest work, and we made stuff that America needed. 
Well, this new smelter was going to be clean by our standards. They used to issue gloves in Japan when people went into their copper smelters, white gloves. And if they came back and their gloves were dirty of these visitors, all hell broke loose. You disgraced the, you know, Chief Mucky Muck. Our smelters, <laughs> if your whole body didn't come out black, it had been a bad day. So there was first a huge improvement what they were offering over what was in the U.S. And we still said no. Well, you know where those smelters and stuff went to? They went to places like Latin America, maybe Australia, maybe some up in Canada. And I can tell you, none of them were as clean as what they would have been in the U.S. Uh, some went, like there's a copper smelter, I'm told, in Germany now. It was like one pound a year of SO2. Well, when I worked in La Roya, one of the places where a U.S. smelter ended up, uh, we put tons per day of lead into the air, arsenic, bismuth, antimony, uh, hundreds of tons of SO2, thousands of tons actually, of SO2 into the air every day. 100 mile circle, everything's dead. We put 12 inch pipes filled with acid and dissolved metals, every almost a periodic table, but some of the nasties were arsenic and bismuth and lead. And we put it into a stream right beside the plant. Guess kids playing in the stream. You sometimes wonder if they'd get too close to the acid stream and get burnt. Not to mention the lead that they got in the water and they washed their clothes in it. But that was nothing compared to the, to the lead they got in their lungs from breathing it. Yep, La Roya, Peru. Run by a U.S. company, Do Run. Well, it had been that way for a hundred years before, and we didn't change it. We just made more money than they made on the plant, because they hired like five thousand people, and we we hired like a thousand people. So we did the same work, and the company made money. I mean, that's the big thing they did. We're also very good at managing projects and understanding business uh, Peruvians were great meddlers though and I'm sure they would have got the business thing if they lived in our culture so we didn't let those filthy industries come to the US because we're not going to be part of that but of course um, we use the copper that came from them and our houses and the copper wire that deliver, delivers our electricity and internet. Uh, we use the zinc that makes the galvanized steel. We use the steel. We use the lead in our acid batteries. So, I mean, it's to me, it's hypocritical as hell. We use all the stuff. We used to even use copper arsenate to treat uh, wood so it wouldn't rot and bugs wouldn't get it. That's probably still not a bad idea. I know that shocks the hell out of you guys that, that having wood around that has copper arsenate in it is, is horrible, but unless you're chewing on the wood, 
it kills all the bugs and the wood lasts forever. But I know in this modern age we can't have something that if somebody chews on it they might die. But it really worked. But let's say that that's a bad example and I'm off in the ditch on that. Um, we still used everything that came from those smelters. And we moved, by moving it out of the U.S., it become much worse for the planet. In our arrogance, we made the planet much less healthy. Guess what else we did? Minerals industry is the second largest industry behind energy. I have no idea how many millions of jobs we lost because of our arrogance, but it's millions, I have no doubt, and I expect it's 100 million jobs. I mean, it's over the years and decades, it's a lot of jobs, and there were good jobs that paid well. Now, am I saying we should have kept them and been dirty? No, I think we should have kept them here and kept the, uh, pushed them to have the highest standards possible, world-class standards, and make our, keep our environment as clean as we could. Um, but not in my backyard didn't allow for that. Well, guess what's happened? You know, we got rid of all the plants, but we also got rid of all the expertise. All of a sudden, we're looking at 35 metals that we need that we don't make here anymore. If we do make them, it's in too small a quantity to make a difference. And guess what? We don't even know how to make them here anymore. We don't have any people left that know how to do it. Why do you think they're hiring an old fart, 72 years old, to come up and help them start a magnesium plant? Because I was the youngest person they could find that still knows how to do anything. And I have similar knowledge in copper, zinc, lead, because I've, I've worked a lot of places. But most people uh, got out of the industry and wasn't able to keep jumping from one spot to the other. So now we find ourselves in a place where if you want to have a car, a phone, a house, a roof. Uh, a skyscraper with steel beams. Yeah, we can make some of that stuff. Every day that goes by, we can make less of it. You gonna look at all the metals that are in a car. You look at all the aluminum frames that we're putting in now to make them lighter. Want to look at the powerful electric motors we can make now? Well, we can't make it unless we get it from, in most cases, China. Besides that, we don't even know how to do it anymore. Oh. So, you know, if you extrapolate that out into the future, uh, and China knows how to do everything, and we don't know how to do squat... What do you think they can charge us for that? Who do you think is the winner in that equation? Who do you think has a good living lifestyle? 
Which economy do you think is going to be working better? Now let me look, go into something else. Uh, you know about return on investment? You know, you put 10 bucks in and you want to make some bucks on it. Put a million bucks in, you want to get, you know, 100000 a year, 10% return on your money. Well, plants do this return on investment calculation. They build this plant. It's going to make so much revenue. It's going to make so much profits before taxes and so much profits after taxes. There's something called EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation or something like that. Uh, this concept says that you work for the shareholders and you try to maximize profits. That's the way American industry has been run since I've been in it. I saw a little bit of the old days where they used to think a company had responsibility to its workers and to the community. But that was fading out when I was getting going in my career. I saw kind of the tail end of it. They used to have good retirement programs and people stayed with companies forever. Uh, as old-fashioned, right? Well, let me tell you something about the return on investment. It optimizes the amount of money you're going to make in the next three to five years. That's just the mathematics of it. What it does not optimize or what it does not accomplish, it does not keep you in that business. For instance, if you're in the copper business, you have to make investments in your equipment. And some of those investments that you make in equipment, they don't pass the little test on does it make 20% you know, return or whatever threshold a company has. Uh, if you want to invest in your people, if you want to pay your people better, return on investment says pay your people as little as possible and you can exchange them for other people and you can get them for as little as possible. That's our form of capitalism. It doesn't have to be the form of capitalism and it obviously uh, sucks from the point of view if you want to be in business you know, down the road. Uh, story I can tell you there was this company in California that had and this is a true story I don't remember the name of the company but they had a forest and they you know each year they chopped some of it down and made wood and sold it and they planted trees and they'd been in business for the whole life of this owner and his father before him and uh, they had a sustainable business well, a company took over it and ran out the you know, return on investment calculation and said, you know, if we just cut the trees down, don't plant other trees, kind of streamline this business, we can get rid of like half the people. We can make a truckload of money over the next five years. And so they did. And, of course, the end of the story is, you know, in five years they made it, they made it. In those five years, they made a truckload of money, and then they shut the plant down. That's what a return on investment calculation does for you. It maximizes uh, the return on the short haul. And if you don't want to be in business in five years, it's a great plan. But mathematically, return on investment 
eventually put you out of business because you don't spend the money that you need to spend to stay in business on the long, on the long haul. It just when you get out there to year you know past about year five, the impact of the money that uh, comes back after that time period just doesn't register on the return on investment thing. Only the stuff that you you know have an impact now cranks up that return on investment number. Um, stuff, a lot of money that happens way in the future, it just, by the time you do the time value of money and you do a discount rate and bring it back to the future, um, it just doesn't have much impact. And besides, the mindset that goes with it's even worse than the methodology because if you could truly look into the future and see the impact of things, um, it would make a difference. Um, but the mindset that goes with that return on investment calculation and the knowledge that stuff way out in the future uh, doesn't count nearly as much as stuff present makes people make decisions that give them good numbers and helps them make good profits for the next quarter. But it does not keep us in business as a country. And what we're seeing on those 35 metals that are in critical supply, most of them we had a choice to stay in business. Um, we had a choice, you know, to take care of people and the land and the environment and make a little lower profits. Um, but nope. If you can drill oil and pump that out and make money quick, or you can make a new iPhone and make money quick, that has a lot more sex appeal. Of course, we'll still be using copper when nobody even knows what iPhone means. Uh, but that's hard for people now to realize that you'll be here today and gone tomorrow. And maybe there'll be, you know, some legacy of iPhone. But it also wouldn't surprise me if they're written. But the the materials underneath, I would argue, and the know-how that we have a country is much more uh, important for the long haul than the current product of the day. So if as a country we want to eventually work for China... We are on course to do that. First, they back all our debt, and they make the raw materials for all of our products. And without competition, they can charge us what they want for those raw materials. And they've done it long enough, and this is actually blows my mind that they might actually realize this. They've done it, kept the prices low, but not so low that they don't make some money and not so high that they bring in other people but they've done it in a way that they've kept us out of the business for so many decades we don't even know how to do the business Did they, were they really that smart that I would be sitting here as the last metallurgist that knows how to do magnesium I mean were they actually that smart if they were, 
Wow, God help us. Because they've got these 50-year plans, and they seem to know what the hell's going on in the future because they're thinking about it. Do they really plan that I would be the last watchmaker, the last person that knows how to make magnesium? And that if I disappear, that expertise doesn't exist much in the U.S. There is one little plan here, but you know those guys are not expanding and got all sorts of environmental problems. And got a good buddy out there, Tom Tripp. Um, he's got to be retiring soon. He's five years younger than me, so surely he's retiring. Anyway, don't know what you're going to do with that information. But let's call it the, you know, where does the return on investment analysis leave you for the long run or something? Anyway, I hope all of you have a good day and uh, excuse my melodramatic uh, thoughts for the night. Looking at Robin way up high in the tree. He doesn't seem to be concerned with my talk. Anyway, as you think about these things, I hope you have a good day and namaste. <clears throat> Yo, this is ancient Texan. Um, I'll add a little post thoughts to what I talked about last night and our uh, aversion to thinking about the long haul, our aversion to having dirty industries in this country and our over-dependence on the return investment calculation. There's also, which I failed to mention, um, the effect that China was having on all this. China was willing to operate their industries at a loss um, and to sell products below cost. They're doing that right now with aluminum. Um, and put everybody else out of business. So we were competing in America against a China that didn't play fair. Uh, China keeps the price down, puts everybody out of business. Out of, after everybody's out of business, they um, bring the price back up. They can do this over decades um, because they can funnel money from other industries. They want to keep full employment. Uh, they keep multiple books. Um, they basically don't play fair, at least by our rules. And we did not um, do anything about it. So I, I give uh, Trump full credit for standing up to China. Should have been done a long time ago. I particularly like how we're, you know, also treating everyone else. But with regard to commodities and metals that I know about, uh, 
China has taken millions of jobs away by unfair tactics. Um, also by the ability to plan, you know, 20, 30 years into the future. You know, that return on investment uh, analysis obviously is not taken too seriously in China. Uh, and, you know, so some of it uh, was our fault that not in my backyard was certainly our fault. Um, a lot of plants, when I said they had a choice to stay in business, well, some of them didn't. A lot of them didn't because of China um, playing unfair and keeping the prices down. So uh, I want to add that because I seem to be uh, reminiscing doing that last night. Anyway, if you're still listening, it's um, Thursday morning. Have a good day and namaste from the ancient Texan.